All right. Hey, sorry about that. I got caught up with so many great people. Man, loving it. Hey, uh, we are, I just want to announce a couple of things. One, reminder of Purple Book. We are in the midst of Purple Book. Y'all remember this thing right here we started talking about about 10 weeks ago? Hey, week 10 just finished, so you should be 3.1 into chapter 3, lesson 1. If you're not, if you haven't made it that far, say, hey, Pastor Nathan, I'm not there. It's okay. Start there. Move into 3.2 this coming week. It literally takes you about two and a half, three and a half minutes for one question. Just just take the week and say Monday, question one. Tuesday, question two. Anybody got three and a half minutes? For the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Whew. If not, we're in trouble. Uh, so just catch right there. And then as you start to gain some momentum, you're like, you know what? I think I can go back to lesson or chapter one and start this thing. And then move forward with this. Just munch on it one lesson at a time. One guy said, Pastor Nathan, I'm in chapter eight. I'm like, why? Have you mastered the other lessons in your life? Well, no. Why are you? Don't move ahead. Move with us. Let's, let's, let's saturate in the word of what God's doing with us collectively as a body. I also want to remind you, any, any men in here? Any, no, any men in here. Thank you. There's a few men in here. The others are trying to figure it out. Hey, if you don't know, if you do know or if you don't know, and you have been given the gender identity of male at birth, I want to invite you December 1st. We're having a men's night right here, December 1st, 6 p.m. We get registered. We want to see every man in the building there. Can you, can you hear me? Yes. All right, that's the deal. And then this week, just a reminder, we will not be in office at all. Thrive Cafe will be closed. We're asking you to fast Thrive Cafe for one week. Can you do that? You're going to really want it. You're going to desire it. It's like Chick-fil-A being closed on Sunday. Everybody's there on Monday. Like, I can't believe you made me starve out for a day. Well, that's what we're going to do to you. It's going to be all right. Be with your family. Uh, we love you. We want, our, we want our staff to be with our families as well. And that is all I have for you. Y'all good? So December 1st, ladies, guys are not listening right now. Ladies, make your men come to the men's night, 6 p.m. We have something incredibly special for those guys. And so uh, you, want the, you want the strongest godly men in your, life, in your household, right? Amen. Let me introduce an awesome friend of mine that is, embodies, as we're in our seven spirits of God, embodies this spirit we're covering today, and that is the spirit of understanding. As soon as I began to plan out this series on week after week after week, I was like, man, Cliff McGraw just kept coming to my mind when it came to spirit of understanding. And so I came up to him and I said, hey, I, I, want, I want to see if you can communicate in this message series and there's a spirit that is you just embody and it's the spirit of understanding he's like okay I think I can do that so would y'all give it up for Cliff McGraw my friend I understand I better turn my microphone on uh, just as God is one in three and three in one, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yep. Just as he is three in one, the Holy Spirit is also one, but with seven distinct expressions. These expressions are known as the seven spirits of God. 
So the seven spirits of God and the Holy Spirit, those are one and the same thing. They are interchangeable. We can find these seven spirits are first described for us in the book of Isaiah. In chapter 11, it says this, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from its roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So there you have all seven spirits. And then again, we're going to find the seven spirits at the very end of the New Testament. In fact, at the very end of time, John is given this revelation of the end times, this vision of what it's going to be like when we finally get called up, when the battle is won, when all is said and done, we're called up to heaven. And he says this in Revelation 4, verse 5, it says, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. It's also worth mentioning that these seven spirits are very different from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you missed it, we've covered this past summer some of the uh, gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And so go back, look online, get on Facebook or version or wherever you can find that, YouTube, and uh, bring up some of those messages learning about the gifts of God. But those are very different. Gifts of the Spirit are very different than the seven spirits. And so my question when I first heard that is, okay, well, which one do we want? Do we want gifts of the Spirit or do we want to these seven spirits? Like, do, is this something we have to choose? And my answer, I'm going to introduce you maybe to a new term for the first time, but the, the word is botha. Can you say that with me? Botha, botha yeah. Botha. So do we want gifts or do we want the, spirits, uh, the seven spirits of God? We want botha. We want both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Both of them. It's the same answer you're going to give, hopefully, on Thanksgiving Day. Do you want turkey or do you want ham? Botha. Yeah, I want botha. <laughs> do you want pumpkin pie or do you want pecan pie? Botha. I want both of them. Yes, I want both of them. Both are uh, both the seven spirits and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Both of them are vital. Both of them are biblical but they are very different in application. Uh, one is uh, there is a gift of wisdom. You can be given to yourself for a short period of time. We can be given that gift, or we can pray for that gift to be given to somebody else. I hope you pray for that gift to be given to our leaders all the time. So we can pray for these gifts of the Spirit to be given for the time. But when we walk in the spirit of wisdom, or today, the spirit of understanding, they never leave us. They never leave us. More on that in just a second, but let's go to God in prayer real quick. Father God, God, give us revelation of the fullness of the Holy Spirit today. Prepare for us a journey together. Open our spiritual eyes to see the invisible. Open up the depths of your word to us and reveal secret things of your kingdom, God, so that we can walk in greater victory and be able to shift the course of history towards the fulfillment of your ultimate purpose. 
God, give me the gift of preaching this morning and not for my own benefit, but only for the building up of your church. Hide me behind the cross, O Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so can I get a big shout out to Bishop Sam Cumby from last week? If you guys were here, I know that you were richly blessed. And again, if you missed out, get online and find his message from last week. It kind of walks hand in hand what we're doing this morning. At first, after I heard him last Sunday, I was like, Dadgummit, Nathan, why did you make me follow such an awesome guy? Bishop Sam Cumby brought the heat. His, his message was this idea of pursuing wisdom. That was his ultimate goal is the spirit of wisdom, we must pursue it. And even my favorite thing he ever said was uh, this comparison. He said that uh, wisdom, the spirit of wisdom is like that job promotion that you really, really want or your dream job. You pursue it, pursue wisdom like that. Maybe it's your dream car or your dream home. Pursue wisdom like you pursue that dream. Or maybe it's that special someone in your life. Maybe it's that male or that female that you were just like, oh, I gotta have them. I know they're gonna make me better. Or, oh, they're smoking hot. I just really got to know them better. So maybe that is, you need to pursue wisdom like you pursue that. Pursue wisdom. And so if I could partner with that, I would say we need to pursue wisdom and we need to take hold of understanding. We need to grasp understanding. Wisdom and understanding are almost always coupled in Scripture, almost always mentioned with one another, making a point to show how dependent they are on each other. I'm going to just blaze through. You can find all of these Scriptures on uh, version, and maybe you can slowly look them up and digest them later this week. Maybe you'll have some extra time after the Purple Book, but uh, Let's just go through these. Blessed is the person who finds wisdom and one who obtains understanding. The Lord founded the earth by wisdom. He established the heavens by understanding. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your possessions, acquire understanding. Does not wisdom call and understanding raises her voice? On the lips of the discerning, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who has no understanding. Wisdom rests in the heart of one who has understanding, and even among fools it is made known. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and even to get understanding is chosen above silver. Wisdom is with the aged, and with long life comes understanding. See, understanding is pointless without wisdom, and wisdom without understanding doesn't really exist at all. The root word for the term understanding literally means to, A, stand under something. Stand under something, understanding. Or to grasp something, discern something. When you stand under something, you were at its foundation. Think about if you were to somehow stand under this building, you would be at the foundations. You would see everything of how it works, how it was constructed. When you stand under something, you're familiar with it front to back. Maybe the building is too hard for you to kind of visualize. Maybe you need a little bit of a prop here. 
don't worry, I risked seven years of bad luck for the seven spirits of God, but uh, <laughs> understanding, it's good. <laughs> Boom, understand how an umbrella works. So understanding brings you under the presence of God. Understanding, I can know how this umbrella works now. I can see all its workings. I'm familiar with it front to back, and I can grasp something. I can discern something. I am protected underneath here when I grasp this understanding. Understanding brings us to God and into the presence of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had to uh, counsel somebody before? Maybe uh, settle a dispute between somebody. Maybe it's uh, a couple that you really know, husband and wife that are kind of arguing, can't get along. Maybe it's just two of your friends uh, who have had a misunderstanding. And so you want to be able to come to a point of understanding. You want to stand in between them, right? In the midst of them. Because if you think about it, if you stand to one side or if you stand to this friend's side, you're even communicating with your physical body. I might, I might listen to you a little bit more. I might, I might take your side. Again, Sam Cumby did an amazing job, and he brought forth that story from the book of Solomon. I can just see those ladies coming into the throne room of Solomon, and here he is in the middle, and one woman says, my child, uh, a baby died during the night, but it wasn't my child. My child is the one that's still living. And this other woman says, no, that's my child in the basket. A mother knows her child. And so Solomon doesn't stand on one side, doesn't stand on the other. In fact, he's right there in the middle. In fact, he is literally so far in the middle, he can take out a sword and says, we're going to split this baby right down the middle. And of course, the real mom says, no, give it to the other mother. I would rather see it raised by somebody else than see it die. Of course, that's where the wisdom was found, right there in the middle, right there in the presence of God. Remember, maybe uh, the, the, the picture of the tabernacle. We've talked in the tabernacle uh, several times here on Sunday mornings, and you've got the gate, and then you come into the courts. First, you're in the court, and in the court, you've got your... Uh, you've got your table that is for offerings, your sacrifices. The sacrifice that was there at the time that they needed the sacrifice and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. We have the wash basin where you can get clean. We have that symbol of being water baptized, even right here in Scripture with something that is just the description of the temple. So once you come into the courts. You can have a sacrifice offered for your sins. You can cleanse yourself in the water. You can do all these things on the outside in the courts, but it's not until you come into the holy place where you are in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You come into the holy place, and on the right, you see a table laid out in front of you with bread, and on the left, you see this massive lampstand. In Exodus 25, the lampstand is described for us. They tell, uh, God tells the people how to make it. It says, make a lampstand of pure gold, hammer its base and stem of flower-like cups, 
buds and blossoms of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand, three on one side, three on the other. The cups are shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch and the next branch. All the same for the six branches from the lampstand. On the lampstand, there are four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. So we get all of these descriptions. Maybe these are some things that when you're reading your Bible, you just blaze through these, but these are so rich in images, so rich in symbols. There's so much beautiful symbolism around the temple, and I know we, don't, we really only have time for one this morning, but I know I can't wait for the day when Pastor Nathan's like, I'm going to do a Thrive Tribe, and we're going to talk all about symbols and uh, Old Testament shadow types and things like that. I'll be like, I'm here for that. Most of you all would be like, uh, nerd alert, but uh, <laughs> no, I would be here for that. I'd pack a lunch. I'd pack two meals. Um, so yeah, I would love that. Uh, but the symbol I want to draw your attention to today is this almond factor, this, the word almond there. The word almond means to watch awaken, to watch awaken. Almonds are symbol for a watching and awakening. Almond trees are the very first to blossom in Israel after a winter. And so right around the end of January, all of a the sudden, these almond trees, they come alive, they come awake, they start to blossom and bloom. There's this rapid watching that is meant for us to see what the Lord is doing. Now, when you read this scripture, you think, are, are we the ones waiting for God to blossom and awake and understand? Is that what we're wait, waiting for? No, definitely not. This is a picture of God watching his people. God is fervently waiting for the awakening, the awakening in us, this blooming, this understanding to come about inside of us. He is fervently waiting for that. Why? Because once that happens, we can be in complete unity with him. God can bless you like never before. Once that blossoming happens, once that awakening happens, we will be in complete unity with him. I think it's also worth noting that understanding is current and constant. That ing at the middle and at the end of understanding, it keeps it at the moment for all times. It's not merely a spirit to be understood. It's not merely a, a spirit to be given under, I, I understand something at a different point. It is understanding. It is continual. It's not an isolated gift in the moment. Why is that important? Because the spirit of understanding is always moving. You're meant to grasp these seven spirits. You're meant to take hold of them, but you don't just stay in the one place. You're meant to take hold of the understanding, and you can take it wherever you want to go with it. Grasp the spirit of understanding. It's meant to be taken with you. Why does this matter? Why do we talk about the seven spirits? Why do we talk about the spirit of understanding? It's because the exact opposite force to understanding is deception. Deception is opposite force to understanding. And through false doctrines and demons and people straying from the truth, 
that is happening more and more today at an alarming rate. Deception is huge because deception is meant to enslave us. Deception is meant to enslave us, but where there is understanding, there is freedom. Where there is understanding, there is freedom. What are our four pillars at, here at Thrive? We want to introduce people to Jesus. We want to connect them to purpose. We want to send you out into the world to fulfill that purpose out there in the world and change the world. But before that, you can't change the world if your hands are tied. That fourth pillar, that middle, we want to introduce you to Jesus, but we want to find freedom. Find freedom. When we have that freedom, that's when we are truly free to connect to our purpose, to go out and to change the world. Have you ever driven through, maybe it was uh, today, for those of us who are here up early this morning, uh, it was a little foggy outside, maybe just a smidge, but have you ever been through, especially this time of year, where the fog is just out of control? Like you get into the driver's seat, you're out of your driveway, and, and then you're like, where is everything? Like I thought there was a whole neighborhood here, and the fog is just so thick that you can hardly see in front of your windshield. Deception is thick like fog. Deception is like the foggiest day you can imagine. But those who are burning bright with the seven spirits of God are going to see right through it. Those who burn bright with understanding, deception has no chance against that. Second Timothy, I love this. Second Timothy chapter 4 says, For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will turn aside to myth. I love that verse, what it says about wanting to have their ears tickled. Did anybody like me grow up loving Disney's cartoon uh, Robin Hood? Anybody see that cartoon growing up? It's, of course, yeah, uh, I, if I could whistle, I could, it's a real catchy tune. There's a rooster and a guitar. Uh, yeah, um, definitely. Uh, so Prince John is this uh, lion in this film, and uh, um, What's the Robin Hood is a fox and he's clever and he's always sort of outsmarting Prince John at every uh, turn. And Prince John has this advisor to him, this snake that's called Hiss, right? Appropriate name for a snake advisor. Uh, but what's funny is uh, Hiss, anytime he's whispering in Prince John's ear, he's got the snake tongue and so he's whispering in his ear and, the, and the, his tongue is just tickling his ear. And so every time he says something, Prince John just waves his hand and bats him down. Hiss, you've got to keep your distance. You can't do that. Tickling in his ear. That's what people are going to turn to. They don't tolerate sound doctrine anymore. They want to have their ears tickled. They want to have their own desires talked to, and they'll turn from truth and turn aside to myth. Deception is one of the most frequently used arrows that the enemy can take out of his quiver. It's also the most effective way to challenge our understanding. When the flame of understanding, though, is burning bright, those arrows 
They just melt like plastic. He can shoot them all day long. And if you have that flame of understanding burning bright, if you know the truth, if you understand the truth, those arrows don't stand a chance. But without that flame of understanding, we can be hit and those arrows can go in deep and make a big impact. So where does the rubber meet the road? How do we gain more understanding? I want to be somebody who is always building up, always gaining more of this understanding. And the best way to do this is that now more than ever, we need to devour the words of the Bible. Read every single day. That's one of the reasons why we preach or why we talk about this every single Sunday. Every single Sunday we mention the Purple Book. It's not because it's magic, not because it's got some hidden knowledge. It's just easy to digest little chunks of scripture. And it gets us in the word. When a big old Bible can be a little bit daunting, this is one powerful verse, one question about that verse that can take you to that level. So if you're not in the Purple Book, then jump right in. So devour scripture, read it every day. In fact, teach it to your children as well. Read every single day and teach it to your children. I actually brought this. This is our family Bible. This is uh, my kid's bedtime story every single night. And so there are obviously a whole bunch of different versions of Scripture. This is just called the Biggest Storybook Bible. And one of the reasons I like it is it's a true storybook, but it's got all of these really awesome this artwork about it. And you don't get lost in so many details it's just a true storybook fashion. And believe me, uh, just like Purple Book takes three minutes, this, I want my kids to be in bed and asleep fast, right? And so <laughs> we read them this bedtime story, and it takes about five minutes, and then it ends each story with a prayer. And it started at Genesis chapter one, and it's going all throughout. We're in the New Testament now. Uh, my kids, last night, uh, let's see, we heard about the transfiguration and... Uh, next time we're talking about lost and found. So simple, easy to di digest. So maybe read that to your kids if you're looking for good ideas. If you can't digest the whole Bible or can't focus that long, maybe get it and read it for yourself as well. Um, if it's something like that, if, if we're talking about easy to digest, maybe it's just stuff that's been written about the Bible. You know, this is uh, one of the books uh, by Robert Morris called The God I Never Knew. This is one of the things we based all of the teachings about when we were talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So maybe it's somebody who has already kind of chewed on the scriptures a little bit and giving you this message, something that you can understand, something that you can process. And again, you may not just have five minutes of your day, but I guarantee you, uh, you can start there. If you're looking for a place to start, Start somewhere, an e a purple book, an easy-to-digest Bible, the words of somebody else. I guarantee you, if you pick up any book by Robert Morris, it is scripturally sound. And if you start reading his works, that'll take you up until probably two years from now before you're done with all of those. And then, uh, you know, if you need other ideas, just come see me. But how do we gain understanding? Read our Bible every single day. And number two is like it. And number two is fall madly in love with the word of God. Fall madly in love with the word of God. Again, this is one of my favorite times of the year because we have 
Thanksgiving, and then you've got about a month, and then you've got Christmas following right behind it, and we've got all the great food, all the great football, all of the great things that come with these holidays. You've got just the spirit of excitement and anticipation. Your kids are just ready. They're wired. They're wondering what's going to happen next. I love everything about this season. One of the crazier things about this season, though, that my wife actually loves is a Hallmark movie. Does anybody anybody have a guilty pleasure for Hallmark movies? Nowadays, it's not really the Hallmark channel. They're all put up on Netflix, and Netflix makes probably 50 or 60 of these a day that they're posting on on there. And these Hallmark movies, one of their signature things is, first of all, she loves them because they have a happy ending, right? They end really well. They're easy to, they're easy to watch. You can put on, you can play on your phone, and you're not going to miss the plot hardly at all um, because it's kind of absent to begin with. And this, so anyway, you're, she loves these holiday films, right? And uh, again, Quality-wise, they're pretty poor. I think they're filmed with an iPhone. And I think uh, some of them have actors and actresses in them where if you look at their IMDb and figure out what they did last, it's like a Charmin Ultra commercial or like a high school fiddler on the roof or something like that. Like, that's their, that's their history. And so, again, be actors and actresses devoid of plot. I mean, basically to sum them all up, you've got your big city girl who's got her fiance in town who's going to close this big, amazing deal, set them up for life. But ultimately, she's got to go back to her hometown, to her roots, to uh, figure out and tie up this loose end. And inevitably, the car breaks down and the country boy comes to save her. And all of a sudden, she realizes that she can't live without him. She loves the simple life. And boom, movie's over. They kiss and woo, everybody's happy. Yeah. So if you've never seen a holiday uh, Hallmark movie, that is the plot to all of them. So every single one. Again, Emily loves these movies. And she's going to watch hundreds of them this holiday season, I bet. Now ask me, I obviously, communicating up here, you know my feelings about them, but how many of those Hallmark movies am I going to watch this season? Some people called out earlier and they were like, zero, zero. If it were up to me, it would be zero. You're right. I would have to unwatch some of these. But guess what? I'm going to watch exactly how many Hallmark movies that Emily lets me sit down and watch with her because I am madly in love with her, madly in love with her. Fall madly in love with the word of God. Jesus is that human embodiment. The scripture is Jesus's human body here on earth. Fall madly in love with it. Get any materials you need to understand his word, dig your heels deep into the living, breathing, God-filled, joyful, wise words of God. Every single day, be vigilant and mindful, seek it out, find his words of wisdom and understanding in Scripture. Again, I think Sam Cumbie did just an amazing job, and one of the people he used, when we think about wisdom, I hear the word wisdom, and you automatically hear, 
Solomon. That's the word that, that's the name that comes up. I can't hear wisdom and not think Solomon's name, and I can't think of Solomon without associating him with wisdom. Does that person exist in Scripture when we're talking about understanding? When we talk about understanding, who comes to your mind? And the number one figure in the Bible when it talks about understanding is Daniel. Daniel is always associated with understanding. Uh, Judah had turned from the Lord and uh, God has sent the, them into captivity with the Babylonians and the Babylonians come in and they take every young man, every uh, able-bodied, and they didn't, weren't just able-bodied, they were actually the best looking, the most educated, uh, just the best of the best of the best. They take these young uh, professionals to the palace and they're like, we're going to feed them, we're going to take care of them, we're going to give them all the literature, all the customs of Babylon, we're going to teach them all of these things. We want to train them to serve the king. We want to train them to be, again, the best of the best of the best that they can be. And so they take all of them in and they give them this choice food and Daniel and his three buddies that you know them by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but his three buddies, Jewish names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they're given this choice food, and yet they say, no, 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 we don't know how that was prepared. We know that certain of these foods are not clean, and so we're going to eat only this food. And the king's advice was like, are you crazy? If you don't eat this protein, if you don't eat these certain things, then you're going to waste away and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get killed for this. This is gonna cost me my life. And Daniel says, "Give me ten days, ten days to eat exactly how we want to eat. And if at the end of ten days then we're wrong, then you can just kill us. You can get us out of the program. But if after ten days we're right, then you will know we are on the right track, and you will know that the God we follow is the true God. And so at the end of ten days, we pick up uh, Daniel." This is chapter 1, starting in verse 15. At the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better and they were more healthy than all the youths that had been eating the king's choice foods. So the overseer continued to withhold the choice food and the wine they were to drink. He kept giving them vegetables. And as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams at the end of the days, which the king had specified for presenting them. The commander presents them before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king talked with them. And out of all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They entered the king's personal service. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, all the conjurers, all the wise men who were in all of his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Understanding is attached to Daniel. And Daniel is a man that is dedicated to prayer. In fact, you know a famous story about Daniel when he gets into trouble because of prayer, right? Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den specifically because Daniel is known for prayer. But Daniel was also known for fasting. Daniel and prayer partnered with fasting 
un, uh, he was a man who understood all of these things. And, and so uh, even in Daniel chapter 10, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict. Again, nobody could understand what it meant but Daniel, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. Daniel experienced this vision and immediately has understanding. There are many times the idea of understanding is associated with Daniel, all throughout Daniel. So to get more understanding, another way to unlock understanding is by deep prayer and sometimes through fasting. Now I know, I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there and you're like, really Cliff? (laughs) Fasting? (laughs) Okay, fasting? Uh, No, I get it. Again, fasting is a difficult concept. Fasting is something that is never easy. And in fact, I think God will call you specifically to fast. Like if if you are called to do a fast, then that will be almost all you can think about. And and that will, if you are called to that, please listen to that call. God is desiring to take you into greater understanding through that process. Fasting accompanied with prayer can unlock understanding like nothing else. And typically when the Lord is calling you into fast, He's going to take you into greater understanding, into further, deeper purposes that God has called for you here on this earth. And so again, I'm not perfect. I I understood fasting to be like this process where I was like, okay, God, look look at what I'm doing. Look at what, look at how humble I'm being. Look at how uh, awesome I'm being. I'm I'm sacrificing uh, the food that I love and I'm not eating. So now you have to meet with me, right? You have to fulfill this purpose. That's not what Daniel is saying. We're not trying to bring God to us in some way. God is trying to unlock that understanding. God is trying to bring us to that understanding, to his understanding, not human understanding, God's understanding. The first time I ever did a fast where I really had this unlocked for me was when we wanted Macy. We wanted a first, we wanted children. And we walked through uh, that for over a year and just nothing, just silence, just felt like there was nothing. And that's when God, I really felt like after month 11 and 12 and 13, and then on 14, I, I felt God calling my heart to say, I need you to fast. And so again, I, I started it. And I thought, God is going to, again, he's going to see how humble I'm being. He's going to see how obedient I'm being. And and that's going to somehow make my wish come true. But that's uh, that's not what fasting does. Fasting was unlocking in me the ability to join with God in his understanding. It gave me the understanding to know that my faith, my value here on this earth, is never about what I can produce. It's never about what I can produce. God was saying in me, I need you to unlock and understand that you're enough just by being you. That you don't have to have to make an impact in my world. 
You don't have to unlock or you don't, you don't have to produce children who have children who have children who tell stories about you. You can be remembered without that. You can make a difference without that. So it's never about what you can produce. And again, I felt like God needed that. I needed that fasting to unlock that within me, to join God in his eternal understanding. For God to say, it's okay if it never happens. And for me to say, it's okay if it never happens. And yet it did. A second time was actually more recently. It was almost a full year now when we were thinking about joining Thrive. And again, I was in a, in a point where here I was and I was uh, saying, I'm going to fast and I'm going to think about this. And we happened to be in 21 days of prayer and fasting here at Thrive. And so I was thinking about this and in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to fast and I'm going to sacrifice. And then God, you're just going to make it all better. But God was telling me the understanding that he unlocked at that point was God saying, you know what? It's, it's not about, like I was so worried about disappointing people, so worried about disappointing my friends, disappointing my parents, disappointing everybody. I was worried about disappointing, but God said, no, it's not about that. It's not about you. It's not about what you produce here. It's about unlocking more. I want more for you. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more opportunities for your girls. I want you to go to the next level. I want you to go deeper. And so again, God was unlocking that understanding in me. And I finally had to, through fasting and through intense prayer, he unlocked that in me. And so again, don't hear me say that fasting is easy or that fasting is going to be the end all be all. But if you're called to fast, please listen to that calling. Guys, I'll close with this. In the last days, there's going to be more and more arrows of deception coming at us. If we're not clutching and holding on to the presence of the Almighty, if we're not staying in that holy place of deep intimacy and protection, then those arrows will hit us. Those arrows of deception will hit and understanding will be gone completely. Take hold of the spirit of understanding. I'm convinced more and more that spiritual warfare is being waged around us on a much bigger scale than any of us can possibly imagine. Battle lines have been drawn, strongholds have been raised up, and unless we sharpen our skills at spiritual warfare, unless we develop the gift of understanding to new heights, we're never going to make a significant impact on the world. We're never going to turn the tide of the enemy's assaults on us or his assaults on our families or his assault on our churches or his assault on our communities. Take hold of the spirit of understanding. The Holy Spirit's desire is that you and I live every single day in the fullness of the Lord by seeing above and beyond what we can do. And Jesus will receive glory and honor through all of it and through his great power that works within us. This is the essence of what Paul is praying when he writes about in Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think, all that we ask according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever.
Amen.